Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Since students are not always intrinsically motivated in a classroom setting, it's important to include some form of classroom reinforcement. So how can we set up reinforcement systems in our classrooms that work and that motivate students to show more positive behaviors? So over the years, my kids have gone through many different types of reinforcement systems in their classrooms. Some have worked, some have not worked, some have been better than others. The ones that were more individualized definitely worked. They had some teachers who would give out um, raffle tickets. And at the end of the week, they would pull a raffle ticket and somebody would get a prize. My kids were really into that one. There was this one teacher who used to give them money for certain things that they would do. And by sixth grade, my kids were super motivated by money. And that one really worked. Um, Now my kids are in high school. And you know what? They still have reinforcement systems going on in their schools and in their classrooms. They still can get prizes for certain things that they're doing. And they are really motivated by it. There was this one prize that they did as a school that if they would participate in this program, they could go on a trip with the whole school. However, the trip was in March and the program didn't end until June. So there was a bit of a flaw in that system. And I will say from somebody watching that system, it didn't really work out so well. So what does make a reinforcement system work in a classroom or a school setting? So when we're talking about classroom reinforcement, you know, we think about reinforcement in terms of trying to increase positive behavior. That's really what a classroom reinforcement system is all about. Um, But students are not always intrinsically motivated to do what we want them to do. You know, I really wish that students would just be like, yeah, I'm just, I really want to do my work today. You know, I really want to learn this topic. I really want to sit and attend to you right now for a 40 minute circle time. You know, it it doesn't happen. So sometimes, you know, for more challenging things, you know, if work is hard or there's other challenges, teachers need to be put, be able to put in place uh, either a classroom wide reinforcement system or an individual reinforcement system. And one of the most common objections that I get from teachers from a teaching background, right? They love learning. They love teaching. They just don't understand why it's necessary. They say, well, I'm here to do my job. These kids are, you know, so enthusiastic. We want our kids to love learning. So why would I reinforce them for doing what it is that they're already supposed to be doing? Um, And usually my response is, well, like, how is that working for you? And usually it's not because when you get a 
class full of kids, 25, 30 kids in a class. Yeah, you're right. You may get, you know, 80% of them who are really motivated because you're a great teacher and the learning is really fun. But there'll always be those few learners who just aren't keeping up. The work is hard for them. They have other challenges. And you know what? The day gets really long and boring. No matter how motivated you are to learn, it gets really hard. You need a little bit of that extra push and extra motivation to do things that are hard and to do things that when you're tired or when you're bored or when other things are going on. So it's really important to include reinforcement in your classrooms because there's always that component of what's in it for them. There's always some competing reinforcers, whether it's the other kid's attention or the bathroom or a break in the hallway or giggling at your desk and doodling. Like there's so many other competing reinforcers. We always have to understand what is in it for this student right now to do work that's hard, to learn a new skill, to stop misbehaving, to do what it is that I'm asking them to do. So the first step is understanding why it's so important to have these systems in place or not. Now, good reinforcement systems should be able to be faded as well. So, you know, when uh, when teachers come up and say, hey, you know, I really don't understand the point of a reinforcement system in my classroom. Um, you can say, listen, you know, it's an interim thing. It doesn't have to be a forever thing. This is something that, you know, if we're really good at this and this is really working, then we can either fade it over time or change it over time and become more flexible with it. And the other major objection that I get is I tried it and it didn't work. You know, I had a sticker chart. Or I had some sort of like point system and it didn't work. I had an EA one time who said, you know, we've done a token system in our class and it didn't work. And I looked at it and the student had to earn five tokens throughout an entire day. And I mean, it was just way too long. It was way too long. Yeah. I remember talking to one teacher about that and I'd be like, okay, great. Let me watch. And I was watching like a three-year-old having to sit at a 40 minute long circle to earn some sort of reinforcement. So like, We just have to ask the right questions and help people understand what are the components of a good reinforcement system. It does have to be individualized, whether that's to the learner, to the classroom, to the group, whether it's an individual system or a group system. These are all different components that are going to help make a reinforcement system most effective in a classroom. Can we talk about another complaint I get usually, and that is bribes. So, you know, is, well, I'm not going to do bribery in my classroom. And I think, you know, that what we usually tell teachers is, listen, reinforcement is not bribery. There's, you know, two different, um, they're very different. And really what it comes down to is when they're offered. So reinforcement is proactive. Reinforcement is offered before negative behavior occurs. So, you know, we're going to predict that we need some kind of classroom-wide Um, reinforcement system in September to set the tone of the year to help kids settle to reinforce, you know, certain behaviors in class. um, And then obviously fade that over time, uh, whereas a bribe is offered after the negative behavior occurs. So if and when, you know, a student is tantruming or engages in some type of elopement behavior runs out of the classroom, and then a teacher says, if you come back right now, I'll give you blah, blah, blah. That's bribery. The other difference is that, um, you know, reinforcement, if done correctly and set up beforehand, is supposed to be motivating and increase the future likelihood of positive behavior. You know, if a student is always hearing after the fact, as they're engaging in negative behavior, they're hearing, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, going to bring out the big guns and, you know, give you all this stuff when you misbehave, you know, students are smart, you know, they're going to say, oh, great, you know, you know, negative behavior is actually going to increase instead of decrease when that happens. So making sure that it's reinforcement and not bribery and knowing the difference between that. 
So we will often see teachers very, being very interested in, you know, group contingencies, group reinforcement, you know, the whole class is doing the same thing at the same time. So it does kind of make sense to have a group contingency. Very often it's not enough. So we want to think about what are some more individual reinforcement systems that can help supplement those group systems. So when we talk about individual reinforcement systems, we want to start at the most basic level with something as simple as a first end. So with some of our youngest learners or our newest learners to this type of setting, we may start with, you know, first do this, first come to the table, and then you can eat your snack. First put on your shoes and you can go to the playground. So some of those very basic um, you know, first do something and then access some sort of reinforcement. Once we can build up from there, we can put in place some sort of individual token or point system. So they have to do maybe three, four, five things and then access reinforcement. So it might be based on time or based on tasks. It could be five worksheets. It could be five minutes. It could be a couple different periods of the day and then they access reinforcement. But that has to be adjusted to the learner. We want to start with where they're successful and build very, very slowly. A very common mistake with token systems is that they're on the same token board for a week or for a day. And we have to look at what interval does this learner need to trade in reinforcement and then work backwards. So if we're saying, well, they can last about an hour, we want to reinforce every hour with some sort of break or some sort of opportunity to access reinforcement. That's as long as we can stretch it then you want the token board to last about an hour. For some students, it's 10 minutes. For some students, it's three hours. And you have to really look at the student and look at the data. How often is maybe challenging behavior happening? And is that telling us that they need reinforcement more often? And how often are they able, how long are they able to stay on task and attend? And then maybe we could stretch it out. So we're always looking at the data to tell us what type of system or how long that system can last. Um, once they're familiar with a token system or a point system and you're using it consistently, and we're going to talk about how to do that a little bit later, we can move them onto something like a behavior contract, which is more an agreement to certain rules or expectations within the classroom or within the school. Um, and then they're going through some sort of feedback evaluation on how well they kept to those rules or those expectations. And then they agree to some sort of reinforcement. That's usually stretched out to be more like, trading it in at the end of the day or at the end of the week. Um, and they they keep to their rules and the school keeps to, the, to their rules in terms of what they can access and what they need to do to get that. That can eventually move into something called self-monitoring, which we do have um, other podcasts and webinars on self-monitoring systems, but it's more about us monitoring our own behavior the same way we do for ourselves. We keep ourselves on task and we give ourselves, you know, little breaks when, when we need it. So it eventually moves into something very natural um, called self-monitoring and that, you know, this whole process could take years and that's okay. When looking at individual contingencies, just another thing to note is that we need to look at replacement skills. So, you know, we're looking at the individual contingencies because we want to reduce negative behavior. Well, what's the function of that negative behavior and what are some replacement skills so like Shira said, time on task might be a replacement skill for negative behavior, or it might be something like, um, I don't know, using your sitting, using your words, whatever it is, waiting. Those are all replacement skills. So taking a look at that, and you can actually make individual contingencies for that as well. Hey, that was really nice waiting. Hey, I saw you wait during that activity. You know, here's another token. Wow, I saw you do this. That was amazing. You know, first wait, then you can have this, that type of thing. So really focusing in on that replacement skill and using, you know, that replacement skill or reinforcing that replacement skill as part of that individual contingency works really, really well. And not everybody has to be on the same contingencies. 
they could each have their own token board and each be earning them for different reasons. As long as that's clear to the learner and to the staff in the room, this learner might be getting a token for raising their hand and the other learner might be getting a token for staying in their seat. So that's, that's how it should be done. It shouldn't be like a one size fits all solution. And, you know, you mentioned, Shira, that, you know, some teachers, one of the teacher's major complaints is that it's not natural and, you know, it's too much throughout the day to do this. And, you know, our goal really is to fade these out. So looking at kind of natural breaks in the day, and I look at a day and the way a school day is broken down. And typically, you know, you've got your morning part until recess, and then after recess till lunch, and then lunch till recess, recess till the end of the day. So if we can start, you know, with an individual contingency, like Shira said, look at that data and, you know, do what the data are telling us in terms of how, you know, when we need to cash in that reinforcement system, Um, but then start stretching it out. And, you know, any successful reinforcement system, you know, may start at 10 minutes, and then it's 15 minutes, then it's 20. But then, you know, a reinforcement system can go from morning to recess, and then recess to lunch, or it can go from morning to lunch, lunch to, you know, after school. So, you know, that's the end goal is to be able to stretch out this individual contingency longer and longer periods. So the other option is creating group contingencies. And it's not one or the other. You can have some great individual systems going and have a group contingency, which is a nice supplement to those individual contingencies because they are a group. Kids should learn in the classroom that we are, you know, we care about one another and we're responsible for one another. Um, we've had group contingencies that are more about like social skills and interpersonal skills. And that way, anybody showing that skill would let that have them earn a point towards the whole group earning something. So we were very specific on how you you're earning the group reinforcement versus the individual one. So if they were showing a pro-social behavior, then they would put, you know, a marble in the jar. When the jar is full, they get a slice on the pizza. And when the pizza is full, these tend to overlap with our current, you know, social skill lesson of the week or of the month so that we have lots of opportunity for practice. Um, the other great, great group contingency system is called the good behavior game, um, which is something if you're interested in, definitely look into it. And it is, you know, kind of dividing the group into two. This is more on eliminating challenging behavior where the two groups can earn points for not showing certain behaviors. And then at the end, the, the group with the most points wins. So really things, there's there's do's and don'ts with all of these things, right? When we're implementing a reinforcement system, really be clear on behaviors that access reinforcement, right? So really defining with your team. It's really nice to be able to sit down with everybody involved and saying, okay, what behavior are we actually reinforcing? What replacement skill are we trying to teach? And then looking at what is contingent versus what is non-contingent. So meaning, you know, what can they just get for free, which is non-contingent? And then what is contingent upon displaying these replacement behaviors? Behaviors or not engaging in specific behaviors. Um, and then, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves, this is more of a don't, but I'm going to put it in the do, right? It's like, you shouldn't have to earn recess. Um, you know, recess is something that is given for free, right? So that's part of that non-contingent, right? So, you know, maybe contingent upon positive behavior, they earn, you know, slices of pizza to get a pizza day or something like that. But non-contingent should just be recess. You know, kids need breaks. We all need breaks get them out, get them outside, get them moving. We have a student who are working on with a a point system and a behavior contract. And part of our day is that we go swimming. And that should be completely non-contingent. And unfortunately, you know, the girl had a rough day. And the next day, she was supposed to go swimming. And she was really excited about it. And someone in her family, not, you know, really understanding the power of reinforcement, took it as an opportunity to take away. She didn't send her to school that day. So she shouldn't get to go swimming because 
you know, that was her way of, you know, consequencing. But really, that should be non-contingent. No matter how you behave, there are certain things in your day that you're going to get, even if you're in the middle of a meltdown, guess what? It's time for swimming. However, we can always add, you know, a second time for swimming to the week or other reinforcers that are extra. And we need to be really clear with the team on what's extra and what is non-contingent. The next thing to do, not a don't, a do, is to make sure that uh, kids are cashing in often, especially at the beginning when you're first introducing a reinforcement system. You know, the students should be cashing in quite often because they need to be accessing reinforcement and they need to be seeing that engaging in specific pro-social behaviors gets them really fun things. And with that being said, they should be more successful than not. Um, think about if you're putting a student on, you know, a five token board or a 10 token board, we want to create opportunities where they can get to the end of that and be successful versus focusing on the opportunities that they're not going to be successful. So, um, we don't often put in something like a response cost because then they're not successful. They may, for every two tokens that they gain, they're losing one. And that just feels really unsuccessful. So we want it come up with a system that the student is going to be at the beginning 100% successful with. Nobody wants to lose things, right? It's about, hey, you get, you get, you get. I'm not taking things away. Um, the other thing is the way we're wording things as well, making sure you're saying, wow, that was a really great job for blah, 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 and giving that behavior-specific praise. And these tokens or the points, whatever system, should be just as much to build skill as it is to reduce challenging behavior. So just like any other skill that we teach, whether it's math, reading, literacy, swimming, riding a bike, we teach our kids how to behave. And so if they're going to be earning tokens for being on task or for using nice words or for any one of those things, we have to give them opportunities to practice that. And we want to use these as an opportunity to build skill. So try to avoid things like uh, non-behaviors. So things like compliance, keeping your mouth quiet, things like that, because we want to think about replacement skills. What are we teaching them to do instead of the challenging behavior or to do so that they can be the best learner that they can be? We also need to take a function-based approach to negative behavior, right? So thinking about the function of behavior in the first place or the function of that negative behavior, you know, could be attention, escape, control, um, you know, I want this when I want it. Um, and we need to come up with those replacement behaviors. But when we're thinking about those functions, making sure that you are giving the praise and the reinforcement um, for the replacement behavior for, for that function. Right. Um, the last thing, too, is that when you are implementing these systems, be creative. Um, I'm not always the most creative person, although people have told me I'm very creative. Um, Google. I love Google. I love teachers pay teachers for different ideas. Um, I walked into a classroom one time and one of the teachers was giving away brownie points. I was like, what are brownie points? That's so cute. And you know, she's giving away points and uh, so many points you got to cash in for a magnetic brownie. And it was like a sticker of a brownie and the student would put it on a cookie sheet. And when the cookie sheet was full of brownies, she actually brought in a tray of brownies from home. I was like, oh, that is so cool. And the other way you want to be creative is in incorporating the function to the reinforcement. Um, so one of my common things that I see is every reinforcement is the same for all the kids. Everybody gets computer time when they, you know, trade in their tokens. And that's not going to be motivating a kid who really wants, you know, escape right now or who loves attention. Um, so think about being creative. Like maybe they get to like decide on the, the game that they're playing at recess and that's their reinforcement. Or maybe they get a special five minute break. And so tapping into the function and what's motivating for each kid when thinking about those reinforcement options. Absolutely. So, you know, if the function is escape, because I really don't want to do this math worksheet, you know, it's a first then, first do these two questions, and then 
you can have a break, no problem. And there's the function of escape and it's it's within the reinforcement system. All right, should we talk about some don'ts? Now we're going to talk about some don'ts. Do not do this. Common mistakes um, are things like reinforcement systems being all or nothing. So these are especially true when it's something that big that they're working towards the end of the week. And maybe they have to have, um, you know, I would never do something like this, but they have to have a good day for, for, good. for four out of five days in order to go to the ice cream store on Friday. And they come home and they realize, well, I had a bad day on Monday and Tuesday's already not looking good. So they realize they lost it. There's no way for them to get it back because they're already at three good days out of five. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are shot. So it's not motivating, right? If you know very quickly that you're going to lose something that you're really motivated for, then it's not going to help a student stay motivated. So really avoid those all or nothing. The systems should be flexible so that whenever the student shows a certain level of you know tokens or behaviors or whatever it is, however you're defining it, guess what? you get to access reinforcement. It shouldn't be something that you have to like gain, gain or lose as an all or nothing system. I worked with a kid in kindergarten once and uh, he was earning, I don't know, he had to work for something to earn something by the end of the day and he needed uh, 10 tokens or something to cash in. And he knew that by 10 o'clock, he wasn't getting those 10 tokens. So like you said, like the entire day was shot. Like we, you know by 10, whether or not it was gonna be a rough day or not. Um, so instead we put in something that was like a surprise. So instead of earning 10 tokens, he had to earn a surprise amount of tokens. So at the end of the day, he had to pull a number out of a jar and whatever that number said was the number he had to earn. So he was always working for tokens because sometimes he would pull out the number two. Now, guess what? We rigged the numbers in the jar. We never told him that. But, you know, <laughs> all the numbers at the beginning were all like twos and threes. So he stayed motivated. So and you are creative. By the end, that was <laughs> me. Um, I didn't Google that either. Um, and by the end, it was like you needed 10 or you needed 15 tokens. And he was really motivated by that because it was just a surprise. The other thing to stay away from is starting with something called a response cost. So it's very tempting to be granting tokens or points and then also taking them away. So a response cost is taking, taking them away. away. Yeah. So we wouldn't start with that type of system. It should be only a win system. You can only earn. Um, there might be a place for it much later on, but we want to start with a system where they're you know more positive. So don't start with a way that they are that there's a way for them to lose any points or tokens. My personal favorite, do not threaten, do not use it as a bribe. Uh, this drives me bananas um, when people are do I have to, you know, careful, you're not going to earn your token, you better do this, or I'm not giving you that token. Like, it shouldn't be a threat. Like, it should be, hey, you know, you know, remember, you can earn this token when you do this. Hey, remember, you know, oh, three more, and then you get the token. And so I say, if you don't do that, I'm not going to give you, just, oh, you're not going to earn this. Um, it's just such, uh, oh, I just imagine from the student's perspective and how crappy that must feel. It's subtle, but it makes a difference really on being this being a positive experience. Mm -hmm. um, the other common mistake is that things are going really great and we forget to use reinforcement systems. And all of a sudden the student is, you know, misbehaving or something's not going well and the token boards come out. And what, bribery. bribery. <laughs> that's essentially bribery, right? The students learn that I get offered an opportunity to earn something good based on challenging behavior. And it shouldn't be the case. The token systems and reinforcement systems should be an underlying theme at all times to promote the positive behavior. They shouldn't only come out when things are hard. 
Also, you know, the system, the reinforcement system shouldn't be delayed. So if a student is working for something and they earn it, make sure they can earn it immediately. Because what happens is if they're working for something at the end of the week and, you know, they earn something on Tuesday and then they have a really tough day on Wednesday, well, they've earned everything on Tuesday. So are you going to take that away even though they earned it? Like that's tough. So making sure that you can provide almost immediate reinforcement after they've earned what they were supposed to earn. And be realistic. Think about putting things in place that don't require too much effort. So sometimes we'll see systems that make them, like I said, behave for a whole day in order to get something at the end of the week. That's a lot of effort or sit for a 40 minute circle time when they're only three years old. So you want the system to be in relation to the amount of effort. So think about a realistic amount of effort that the student should exert in order to access reinforcement. If someone told me that I had to do, you know, dishes for an entire week in order to like watch my favorite show, I probably just wouldn't do it. It's not (laughs) motivating anymore. But if I get to watch my favorite show after a night of watching dishes, then okay, like I, I can do that. So think about the effort required in putting these systems in place. Uh, one other thing I want to address is just the, you know, the good versus bad, right? You know, someone can, you know, be engaging in tough behavior, but they're not a tough kid. You know, I often hear like, were you a good boy today? Or were you a good girl today? And I hate that terminology. Or did you have a bad day? Um, I think we really need to define behavior and say, oh, hey, did you keep your hands to yourself today versus were you a bad girl today? Like it just it just sounds has such a negative connotation behind it. So please try and stay away from that terminology as well. And I think all of the things we talked about today have been mistakes that we've made or that I've made in putting these systems in place. So they're very common mistakes. And when something's not working, it's a reminder to just think about, am I, you know, by accident doing any one of these things that are negating the effectiveness of this reinforcement system? So we have a lot of other information on how to use reinforcement properly on our blogs, um, contingent versus non-contingent reinforcement, like we talked about with recess and how they shouldn't lose recess and some other blogs on classroom reinforcement systems. So in summary, we talked about how to use reinforcement in the classroom so that it's individualized and it's effective in promoting positive behavior. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How To ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.